John chapter 12, verse 26. The word is on the wall. You ready? Let's read. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Amen. Hallelujah. You ought to get happy about that part. Because there's nothing like God honoring you. You know, you receive many honors, but there's nothing like God honoring you. All right, I want to um, turn to chapter number 13. Very familiar passage of text. If you have not read it, you probably heard about it. I want to read to you a few verses from this text, beginning at verse number one of the 13th chapter. <clears throat> Next month, we will be studying how faithful God is. How many of you know God is faithful? When you really know that God is faithful, worrying will never show up. Anxieties cannot exist. And you will be so delighted at whatever area God has you in because he's faithful to raise you up no matter how low things get. Amen. So we're really going to be teaching on the faithfulness of God. And God's going to be faithful regardless of what you do. I know some people might have said, oh, you do this, you're going to hell. No, God is faithful. All right. Somebody shout he's faithful. faithful. That's why we serve him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Be, um, <clears throat> chapter 13. Verse 1, let's pray. Father, we thank you for setting this table that we may feast at your table. We thank you for our neighbor to our left, to our right, sitting in front, sitting behind, Lord. We thank you because you pulled us into one family. And we declare, Lord God, as we need you, we need our family that you gave us. So, Lord, now that you have us right where you want us, we ask that you would give us an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. We declare, Lord, that we are your church. So come now and speak to our hearts that your word would change us, that we would be more like you, that your word would shape us so that we would look more like you that your word would compel us to go forward as you have called us to. And Father, as I stand here, I tremble knowing that I'm not worthy of this call. But you chose me, God. So come now, Lord, and consecrate me. 
as only as you can, that I may be fit to be used by you. And we promise to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Beginning at verse number one, John writes, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, to the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. <clears throat> Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God, and that he was going to God. Ooh, that's good stuff. He rose from the supper, laid aside his garment, took off, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Jesus, <clears throat> Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, he said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. If it takes a wash to belong to you, don't just stop at my feet. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. I want to look at chap verse number four and five and reread them again. He arose from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel, girded himself, after that, he poured water into the, the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet 
and to wipe them which with the towel which he was girded. After supper, he laid aside his garment, took a towel. He laid aside his garment. He laid aside his garment. I want to use for a topic, just take it off. Tell your neighbor, take it off. I don't know what needs to be taken off. But sometimes it comes to a point where you got some stuff on that needs to come off. There's an attitude you get from time to time. You put on that old filthy attitude and God is saying to take it off. Sometimes you have a whole lot of excuses. You put on a shirt that says excuses. You cover it up with a jacket that says excuses. Some of you put on a raincoat that says excuses. But God said to take it off. I want to point a very particular part of this passage because here Jesus is meeting with his disciples and so much has happened from chapter 1 all the way to chapter number 13. And the Bible says that Jesus knew his time had come. He, he knew that he would no longer be with the ones that he loved. So he gathers this meeting to have a conversation with them because I'm sure they were much like us. They get caught up in the hoopla. Sometimes you can get caught up in the bling bling. You get caught up in what's got it going on that you want to be a part of what's got it going on. And I do believe that they get people by nature get excited about things that happen that are outside of the normal. When we see the miracle working power of God, we can become enamored by the miracle. Is there anybody in here? that gets excited when God does a miracle in your life. I looked at the passage of text and how the disciples must have been feeling when they're having this meeting with Jesus, and they're all there. I believe that they were very excited in Jesus, knowing because he knows everything, he knew that their focus was not in the right place. Because if you, if you could imagine, they had been walking with Jesus. And Jesus walked past a blind man and healed the blind man that was blind from birth. And was challenged by everybody else because he healed the blind man 
and everybody thought, how can a man heal a blind man? And there was so much controversy going on because they knew a miracle had taken place. The blind man himself could not explain what God had done. And the people, the people came to the blind man and said, who healed you? The blind man talked about Jesus, but they didn't want to hear that. So they went around asking everybody else, even to his parents, and wanted to punish his parents if they told him that Jesus did it. And the blind, they said, I don't know who did it, but he's a grown man now. You ask him who did it, and he'll tell you. He said, I don't know what you call him, but one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I can see. And if it wasn't for the man named Jesus, I never would have been able to see. Jesus was walking with his disciples, and they were seeing the very miracles that he was doing. There was a deaf man that could not, that could not hear. And Jesus got next to him, and all of a sudden, he could hear. There was a mute man who could not talk, but Jesus got in the room, and he could talk. There was a paralytic. He couldn't walk, and there was four men that cut a hole in a roof and lowered him down. And because they lowered him down, he got in the presence of Jesus, and he could walk again. The disciples were able to see Jesus. Jesus was so raw in what he did. He was amazing. He was unspeakable. He did stuff. Jesus could just walk by stuff and change the whole everything. Jesus was awesome. He, he was phenomenal walking the earth realm. And the disciples remembered all he did. They remembered that there was a man that was Jesus' friend by the name of Lazarus who had died and was in the tomb for four days. And Jesus spoke to the dead, and the dead got up and came out the grave. They knew that Jesus could do anything. And they were so caught up in the things that he had done that they wanted to be like him. They got caught up. They started having conversations about who's going to get a seat next to the greatest. Jesus has an informal meeting with them at this point in time. And he says to them, I know you've seen ministry. You've seen the miracle working power of God. Now, now I've heard of meetings being held to see the miracle working power of God. How many of you love the miracle working power of God? How many of you want to see the miracle working power of God? How many of you want to be used by God so that you can show the miracle working power of God? Oh, wouldn't it be nice if you could just walk into the hospital and because you showed up, everybody got well? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Jesus says there's something that's greater in ministry than miracles. He says, boys, I don't want you to get ministry misunderstood. He says, so I'm about to leave you, so let me give you the fundamental teachings of ministry. And so 
the Bible says that he got up and girded himself with a towel and began to serve. It's not about how many demons you could cast out. Not about how much healing God uses your hand to heal. He said, it's about being able to serve. The, the, thing, the thing that really got me, and I want to give you just three points. The thing that really got me is how he gets ready to introduce his servitude. And in verse 3, he says, Jesus knowing. He says, Jesus knowing that the Father. Okay, first of all, the first point I want to give you is you have to know who your father is. The second point I want to give you is you got to know what you already have. Somebody say, I got it all. The third thing you need to know is that you are a child of God. And the fourth thing you need to know is what you're capable of. So the first point I was talking about is just you got to know. How many of you know who God is? How many of you believe he is who he said he is? So if you, if you really are going to serve God, you're going to have to know God. And if you know that God is your father, then you'll know that your, his, a father will take care of his children. And you have to know that God done something way before you even got here. Ephesians 1 and 5 said that God, God predestined. He, he knew that you were going to be his child even before you became his child. He knew you were going to spin out. He knew you were going to lie, cheat, and steal. But he also knew that he was going to adopt you. Now, if God adopts you, it's greater than anything, any other adoption because God cannot take, take back his adoption. Once he adopts you into the beloved, you take on a new DNA, which means now that you are a child of God. It says, having predestined us to adoption as what? Sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to what? His good pleasure. It pleasured God to make you his child. Even though we didn't deserve it, when we were doing everything we could have thought to do wrong, God still adopted us so that he could make us his children. Yeah, that's something. If God doesn't do anything else for you, you should just be thankful that you are adopted into the beloved. And if you know that you're adopted by God, it doesn't matter who else loves you because God loves you so much. If somebody leaves your life that promised they would love you, God would love you so much that he will bring somebody in to love you the way he loves you. Is there anybody here that's happy to be loved by God? You got to know, you got to know that he is your father. 
Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.18, he wants us all to know that he is our father. Tell your neighbor, say, God is my father. Mm -hmm. What do you say? I will be a father to you. That's what God said. I will be a father to you. The question is, do you want him to be the father to you? Now, you're going to have to take off your limitedness and let him be the unlimited father because the unlimited father will go against your plans because his plan doesn't look like your plan, but his plans will work for you. You could be all alone and God will send somebody into your life that you didn't know that will love you like they've known you the whole life just so God could get a great relationship with you. God loves his children. And by this, and by this, you might be, oh, wait, wait. It's, the Bible says that you shall be his sons and his daughters. Wait a minute. If God is all-powerful and almighty and he has made me, his son, and his daughter, then I don't have to worry about anything else. I can go to my father for everything. See, God doesn't want you to be in a religion with him. He wants you to be in a relationship with him. God wants to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you. God wants you to share your whole heart with him. God wants him to share your dirty mind with him. God wants to, you to give everything that you got. He, sometimes we try to give God our very best, but he know our little secret stuff that we got going on. God said, let me have the secret stuff too. God said, I love you no matter what you do and no matter where you are because you are my child. Yes. Like the, the enemy will try to discourage you and tell you you're who you used to be and try to remind you of all the mistakes you made. But God told me the enemy came and handed him the envelope. And he opened up the envelope. God told me to tell you, when he looked at it, he said, he is your father. No matter what's going on, he is your father. He said, Knowing that the Father has given me all things. Uh, Jesus said, knowing. So somebody say, I know. See, see, when you know, you, you walk like you know. You talk like you know. How can you say you know and something is happening in your life that you don't like and you walk around like this? But you know who your Father is. Now, wait a minute. Jesus says he's given them all things. But there's some things that happen that causes fear in our life. Sometimes we get a bill 
and we fear not being able to pay the bill. Sometimes we get bad news. Sometimes we make a mistake that we feel bad about, but it doesn't change who God is. He's still your father, and he still has given you some power. As a matter of fact, in first Tim no, 2 Timothy chap chapter number 1, verse number 7, it says that he didn't give you the spirit of fear. So when fear comes, it's up to you whether you want to take it or not. Now, if I were you, you should write this down. When fear comes, I'm giving it to God. If you give your fear to God, you can have what God has given you. But your fear will keep you from accessing what God has given you. What has God given you? For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Say it with me. Power, love, and a sound mind. Say it with me. Power, love, and a sound mind. That means you have the power. I'm glad he put that first because you have the power to turn to God and give him your fear. And God is love and he will release love to develop a sound mind and stop you from thinking about the stuff you shouldn't be thinking about in the first place because God loves you. When you know that God loves you, you won't fear anything. It's like, it's like my son told me. He knows his daddy loves him. And I know his mama loves him too. But my son, we have this bond where he told me when he was sick, I said, son, you're going to be okay. He said, I want my dad. I picked him up. He said, I said, son, you're going to be okay. He said, I know I am, dad because I got my daddy. See, what, I'm, what am I telling you? When you get in the arms of God, you know everything's going to be okay because you got your daddy. And see, God will use your little ones to teach you a lesson or three. So the, the, the one thing that will keep you playing in your mind, and I, I want you to get delivered from anxieties because anxieties come because of your relationship with your Lord. You got to know this. Because anxiety comes through a spirit called fear. Okay? And so when things are happening, you start, your mind starts going into those things. And God says, you're one move away from never letting that spirit plague you again. And all you have to do is give fear back to me. Say, well, that sounds easy, but preacher, help us do it. Well, you're going to have to start talking to God. And if you know he's God, start telling him what you know about him. See, that will encourage you. When you start telling God who he is and how great he is and how he's almighty and how he could do anything and God, you, you just changed me and you've been with me from the beginning of time. When you start telling God all those things, everything else takes a back seat. You don't even think about your fears anymore because you're too enthroned with the love of God. Say, I know I got the power. 
Mm-hmm. So, being empowered by God, the third thing you have to know is that you are connected to God. Now, now get this. If you are connected to God, that means he's the power source. You're not the power source. You can't direct God in what needs to be done. Because the truth be told, you don't really know what needs to be done. But you're connected. Even when you feel disconnected, you're connected. Say, I'm connected. So he's got such a connection with you that you can't break the connection. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 17, he says this about you. He says what he's done with Jesus, he has made you joint heirs with Jesus. God doesn't see you as a person walking the earth. God sees you directly connected to his son, Jesus, which make you sons and daughters of God. And if you believe that you're connected, then you'll start acting like you're connected. Don't act like you're disconnected and you have no light. Act like you're connected so that you can let your light shine. The problem becomes we have seen so much darkness that we think sometimes that we belong to darkness. But God made you a joint heir with God so that you can light it up wherever you go. If you're in the store, you should be lighting it up. If you're at the gas station, you should be lighting it up. People ought to ask you, why are you so happy? Because I'm being lit up. Because I'm a joint heir. People think that your circumstances determine that who you are. But God has determined that you are directly connected to his son and he will never let you go. You are empowered by God. That's why you can do things even when you don't try to do it. You just mess up and do it anyway. Say, I know it. Now, the fourth point about knowing is you got to know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. See, I, I've, I've, I've come to know that I'm a world changer. I come to know that God has empowered me to change the atmosphere that if all hell is breaking loose in a room and I show up because of the Christ that dwells in me, hell will take a seat and the heavens will open up and God will be glorified. That's why they can say no. But when Jesus steps in the room, it'll mess up and say yes. That's why they could count you out and tell them that you'll never make it. But when Jesus steps in the atmosphere because you know what you're capable of, he works it all out for you. Now check this out, check this out. So John 14, 12, get this. John 14, 12, get this. John 14, 12, check this out. Jesus, he talks to the disciples and he says, greater things shall you do. Wait, wait. He's having a meeting with them to talk to them about service. 
But in 14, he tells them, you've seen all I've done? Greater things? You're capable of it. Now, now, now he was speaking of when we say, yes, Lord, that his spirit indwells in us and makes us able to do greater things than he do. Well, no, pastor, that doesn't happen. Wait a minute. I believe on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit had fully come, that on that day alone, because they were filled with the love of God, they won more people to Christ than Jesus did his entire ministry in one day alone. I believe Jesus was walking by folks and healing them one by one. But in the book of Acts, Peter, because he was spending time with God and came to know who God was and believe God on his word, that his shadow, when he walked by the folks, his shadow started healing all the folks that were in his presence. Now, I'm just here to tell you, if he used the disciples back then, are you willing to let God use you and make you capable of the things that held you limited that you could be used by God? Preacher, we hear you about the knowing. Um, we hear you about the knowing now. Now we know, we know, we know, but what is limiting the church? What's limiting the church from functioning in the greatness to great, do greater things? What has hindered the church? That the church is not doing the greater things. Hmm. So Jesus said, after you know it, Hand me a towel. Hand me a towel. Because you've been hindered because of the towel. Because of the towel, you have been hindered. Now, now, now get this. Jesus, Jesus says, the Bible says, he took off his garments. He, he, he took off the thing that was covering up the humility. You know how you could be so dressed up that you can't go serve the homeless in that outfit? <laughs> You're so made up that you cannot worship God with the tears that Mary used to wipe his feet. Uh, uh, you are so covered up with all that you want to do that what he wants to do is held bound by what you want to do. Uh, the church, the church is strapped up in garments. I'm speaking figuratively but if you could see spiritually that a garment on the outside will hold you limited to what's happening on the inside and Christ dwells on the inside 
but until you're willing to take off what's hindering you. Oh, goodness. Uh, you, you are struggling, and sometimes you blame everything else, but you are struggling with the garment of same old, same old. Uh, you, you are struggling with religious garment that has you think because you come to church that you're pleasing God. But God's not pleased by you coming to church. God is pleased by you being the church. But you can't be the church as long as you're strapped up. And you want to see. Now, now, some of us get so strapped up. I hope you don't mind if I use this. Some of us, we get so strapped up. We're supposed to be putting on the whole armor of God. But instead, we're putting on the whole armor of Saks Fifth Avenue. And then we spend more time working on what it looks like on the outside. And there's so much going on on the inside that if you would take more time for the inside, you wouldn't need to worry about the outside because the inside will dress you on the outside. Oh, goodness. Wait a minute. Preacher, how do you know? Because according to Zechariah 3 and 3, they brought him before the priest and they had a meeting in heaven. And they said, remove his filthy garments. But it took them removing the garments. And once they removed the garments, God clothed him in righteousness. What am I saying? God's telling you to take off everything that doesn't belong to him so that he could clothe you with everything that he has given you. And he's going to clothe you from the inside out. So don't get your mind caught up on what it's supposed to look like on the outside. Just know that it starts on the inside. 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 We're all caught up. Then we get our head all covered up. And we covered up, encapsulated with our own way of thinking. But God didn't call you to think. God called you to believe. And then you say, well, I believe what I think. And that's the problem. Because you're going to operate according to what you think. You thought that this chair would hold you when you came in, so you just plop your little self right down. But if somebody would have cut the legs and then put it up there, you would have went falling to the floor. But you thought the chair would hold you. Let me tell you something. God, God allowed the chair to be made. God is bigger than a chair. If you can see God to be as big as he is, then you would know that no matter what you go through in your life, God is going to work it out for you. Is there anybody here that wants to let go of how they used to think and take on the mind of Christ 
and let the mind that Christ has be in you so that you can believe that God is who he said he is. And every time your mind starts going to a dark place, you know how it is. You get to that dark place. You can free your mind and see the light. You're going to have to take off the way you used to think and start thinking the way God thinks. And if you think the way God thinks, you can look out way down yonder. And although it looks bad right here, you know he's already worked it out out there. So you can get real happy right here and have yourself a party. Even when they said it ain't gonna happen, you believe that it's gonna happen and watch God work it out. It's hard to get there until you become willing to take it off. You know, in Zechariah, God used the heavenly host to help him take it off. In the church, we have been so busy putting people down. Oh, her dress is too short. She here? Oh, but you don't know their path. You got one. And without a past, then how would we know God to be as glorious as he is if he didn't deliver us from a dark one? But in the church, see, this is a message. And I'm not talking to a church. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to your relationship with God. He sent his son, Jesus, who was stripped of his clothing. Stripped of it. And sometimes God will strip you of yours. It's better to just take it off. Bible said Joseph got stripped of his clothing. See, I have another message with that one. It's called "Fall in Love with Your Stripper." But I gotta get, I, I gotta get you guys. I gotta get you guys. I gotta see this. See you. See 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 where your mind went. I, I, I gotta get y'all ready for that one. So we're going to start with take it off. Uh, <laughs> and so, so we have, we have totally limit, limited God because we want to serve God the way we want to. But that's not what he told us to do. That's not what he's showing us to do. Now, check this out. Back in those days, back in those days, they had the clothing, but they wore sandals. They didn't have floor shines, and they didn't have red bottoms. They had sandals. So everywhere they walked, stuff got in between their toes. That was 
the dirtiest part of them. And Jesus girded himself up and said, let me begin where I know it's dirty. See, we want to pick and choose. And we don't want to go for the gusto. I don't want to work with those dirty folks. I just want to be an usher. And then you think that serving only happens on Sunday. When every day is an opportunity for you to serve God. God even, he even points it out that when you do something for the unfortunate, you're really doing it for him. And so wherever you go, you ought to have a bright light shining. And you don't look and go humble. Jesus taught us how to go humble. Most of the folk was running up to him. Aren't you king of kings? He was changing the conversation. He said, I got life for you. You talking about me being a king. I'm trying to give you a better life. And we enter the conversation. Oh, I'm the deacon. No, oh, I'm the elder. I'm the pastor. Humility. I'm talking about taking it all off. Everything that you feel pleases you, let it go. Spend more time looking in the mirror than you do worshiping your God. I'm not telling you to stop looking in the mirror because I like seeing you looking good. <laughs> I'm just telling you that we need to take off how we limit God. God will move heaven and earth for you, just for you. He will shake the heavens and shake the earth just for you. So he says this. He girded himself up. See, sometimes we get prepared with no follow through. He girded himself up with the towel. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. It says that he knew that Judas Iscariot was there with him. But he washed his feet too. Wait a minute. Jesus washed the feet of the one he knew was going to betray him? Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, A couple of chip chapters on, he had a supper and invited the one that was going to betray him, and he served him too. He fed the one, now get this, that he knew was stealing the money. I'm just talking about true service, right? He, he, he served, wait a minute. Most of us would have a hard time with just opening up a door for somebody who's stealing from us. Wait, and you know, wait, wait, you know that they're going to betray you? It's almost like a bee. You know it's going to sting you. So you don't catch it. You catch a butterfly because you're safe. You catch a bee, it's going to sting you. And nine out of ten of us is not catching a bee because they don't want to be stung. 
But Jesus says, I'll be stung if it blesses somebody else's life. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, so, so he, he feeds the one that's betraying and stealing from him. Wait, wait. He washes his feet too? That would have been enough. That would have been, I'm cool, right? All right, I'll wash somebody's feet. Because I, you know, that, that's not too intimate, right? I'll feed somebody. Because that's not too intimate. But then the Bible says that when they came to arrest him, that Judas, he knew that Judas had to kiss him. Now, I don't know if I could let a thief and a betrayer come up only like that. Can we just be real for a moment? And most of us, we are so guarded with our own garment that we don't even trust the plans of God. Ugh. Why? Because you don't know them. But when you know that the plans of God over your life is to prosper you and that you would be in good health, nothing, no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper then you can serve the ones who you know are not living right. Let me tell you something about serving. You can serve, some, you can serve someone and they see you serving and all they're going to talk about is the God that you serve. I don't know why they did that for me. All they kept talking about is this Jesus. And therefore you become a transformer and you transform people into talking about Jesus. Isn't it something that you could change somebody's language just by serving them? So he starts the process. Bible says he began to wash their feet. See, most of us will start the process. But then it says, and then he wiped them with the towel that was, he was wearing. He says, I'm willing to look dirty for you. People can look at me, but I'll do it for you. He said, don't stop the process. If, how many in here were willing to look dirty for God? You know, God, God will clothe you with new stuff. But he wants us to understand what true ministry is. And if you will let go and take off everything that the world has conditioned you to wear, then you'll bring so much glory to God and you'll see the miracle working power right in your life. All it takes is taking off what is not of God. Some of you know you got a bad attitude. Some of you know, and, and here's what happened. I don't have a bad attitude. <laughs> And then you say, the only reason why is because, and you want to blame somebody else for you. I says, take that off. Let that go. Everybody in here that's been using excuses, can we leave them here today? Yes. You, you wear the garment of excuse. I don't do this because of that. And I, it's just excuses. They hold you limited. 
God chose you to be limitless. No matter what it is. No matter what it is. It's time for the church to be the church. Wherever you go, people should know you're different because of the way you love them. You know, if you walk around talking about all the problems you have in your life, who is that helping? You know why God gives you problems? Anybody ever take math before? They're called problems. What's two plus two? What's four plus four? I want to know. What's four plus four? How do you know? How do you know that four plus four is eight? Huh? You learned it in school. Okay, every one of us in here probably went to a different school. But we're learning from the same principle. Problem plus problem equals solution. Problem plus problem equals so the reason why you have problems is not so you can focus on the problem, it's so you can get to know the solution. Ah, oh, man. That ought to help 90 of us. Because your problem is to get you to know your solution. They didn't tell you that 4 plus 4 is just 4 plus 4. They wanted you to get to know the solution. And when you get to know the solution, then everything is okay. And that's why God keeps giving us problems, so that we can look at the solution. And when you get to know the solution, you don't have no more problems. So when a problem comes, you say, God, that's yours, because you're the solution. I know two or three of you got that. Every problem has a design, and it's for you to get to know your solution. So stop believing the lie that God is punishing you. God's not here to punish you. He's here, here to promote you. But in order to be taken to the promotion, you got to leave the other stuff here. Take it off. I know they hurt you. They lied on you. They rejected you. All of that. Jesus said they did all that to me too. They're going to keep doing it to you until you get to know your solution. And then when you get to know your solution, when they do it, they'll say, God, why are they doing that to you? It's no longer about you. It's about him. He loves you. You are his child all the stuff that your former master told you to believe take it off you have a new system now and you are unlimited in him give him a hand of praise you know 
It's something how we could sometimes we get the word of God. And we'll say, so-and-so needed to be here. They needed to hear this. No, you needed to hear it. So you can go share it with them. After you let it take over you. And so, as we're here today, the reason why Jesus could accomplish all that he did is because he knew who his father was. God says, I, they shall know me, right? We, and, and we know one another by the gifting of God that's on our life. And we know him. But sometimes it's, it's hard on a believer because we have a former master that keeps saying stuff to us. But when you take off the former things, you will no longer hear the former voice. He speaks to you because you still remember his voice. But the more you hear from the Lord, the less you'll hear from him. And so God wants you to let go of everything that doesn't look like him. And everybody rest to your feet. I was so moved today because sometimes you get to see God move so rapidly in people's lives. That's the blessing of being a pastor because he will show you things, you get to pray for them, and then you see them manifest. And I seen all that it took, all the problem that it took for God to get my sister Debbie to give her life to him. All the problems. She gave her testimony, she got baptized, and she fell 